Hi, it's Rick and Friends, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm always impressed by the fact that this fella actually answers phone calls, texts, emails. He's very responsive. It's probably because he got the most votes for city council. I uh, I want to welcome to uh, to Rick and Friends and his good friend Ron Cannon. Well, thank you for that uh, kind introduction and for lowering your standards and allowing <laughs> to be on your show. It's a real pleasure <laughs> and to be called a friend to you. I mean, in politics. You know, have a friend is a plus. But I think there was some mistake. There was some error in the computers when, when they calculated those ballots. But no, I'm grateful and uh, and really humbled and honored to serve and overwhelmed with the community support to uh, serve on city council again. So, again, we're going back to this. You could have just walked into the sunset. I know a lot of boards and committees and various places wanted you uh, to be a part of the organization and you decided to throw your hat in the ring. And I have a lot of respect for anybody that, you know, decides to uh, to go back into public office because, of course, you had, you know, a previous stint on city council and you went back to it. What what kind of led you to that decision making of running for election again? Uh, my medication medication wore off. <laughs> well, I would think so. we got we got to get a different cocktail. That's going right. So something. No, I was, uh, you know, I was on city council from 96 to 2005 and then I was. Honored to serve the community of Kelowna Lake Country as a member of parliament for about 10 years from 2006 to 2015. And then I went back to university, got my Institute of Corporate Director designation. So I sat as a director of a few companies and provincial boards and had my own consulting company. Did a lot of work with the Interior Savings Credit Union representing them for the commercial side. And it was really, really encouraging and and, and exciting and a different season in my life. But I was always engaged in the in the area of community i sat as a chamber representative on the board for about five and a half years and chaired the policy committee for a while so so i was it's always had that part of my heart in the community wanted to uh, to serve and when uh, the opportunity to came about with with the restructuring with my position with interior savings i had an opportunity to serve again on council and i decided to put my name forward and like I said, I just overwhelmed with the community support and excited because I was raised in a family of uh, the youngest of four boys. I grew up in Edmonton, and my parents were always involved in the community. And they said, you know, if you can either sit in the sidelines or get in the game, and if you're going to complain, then you're better off to be part of the solution. And decisions are made by people that show up. So I tried to show up and make a difference. So what's different about this version, this iteration of Ron Cannon versus the previous iteration when you served on council initially? Good question. Actually, my wife and I were driving home from dinner one night talking about that, and I said, I get a do-over. I feel really, really privileged and blessed to have this because I, the experience I have, you know, the first time when you're there, everything is it's like drinking out of the fire hose. Now I have an you know, understanding of the operations, you know, government operation and is, is a machinery and understand how it works, the parts, and being able to help i believe you know one of nine votes on council and we have a uh, five returning members of council and four new ones including myself so we try to bring that team that cohesiveness and bring the experience that i have and also to learn from some of the new members so i i, I look at it from a, a, a different lens of experience and and knowing the questions to ask and where to look that's probably the biggest difference from when i first got elected in 1996 is there a way to to be a skilled counselor? Like, is there certain tenants that you 
you know, you've learned because you've obviously served in, in different capacities. So is there something that you can bring to the table, like consensus building perhaps, or is there any kind of, because you, you talk about the cohesiveness, because council needs to be cohesive to get anything done. Yeah, I believe, like my, my brother is always advising me and, and reminding me that God gave us two ears and one mouth, so he's listened twice as much as speaking, and the fact that uh, Robert Hobson was a longtime experienced counselor as well, and a lot of sage advice as far as you know, you listen to the, the the dialogue around the council table, and a lot of times you can pick up information and fill in those pieces and say, yeah, okay, that's it's great. Some of the ideas are there, but what's what's the reality? And I'm always looking more or less through a pragmatic lens and saying, okay, this rather than utopian, where we want to get to, how do we get? It's got to be systemic increases we just can't go from zero to 100 you have to sometimes proceed in a more of a like a strategic approach and i think that's kind of from experience i can i believe sometimes provide some of that experience and hopefully some uh, strategic ideas to help build on on our team as i said we're one of nine on council i get one vote and we have some excellent uh, new members as well as the returning councillors and excited about the, the term ahead so we've been, let's see, November, December, January. Have you had a chance really to, to get a feel for the council? Because, I mean, it's only been a few months, but any initial thoughts like uh, of the, the makeup, I guess you could say? You know, lived in Kelowna for about 33 years so and had involvement with, with the, the different councillors previously. So I know them. And now on a personal basis, yeah, I get to, you know, every Monday when we have a chance to over lunch, but we also, uh, the mayor and three new councillors, including myself, went to Vancouver recently to look at the recreation facilities in, in Lower Mainland, four different communities. And the previous mayor and council did the same, so it was kind of help us get caught up on some of the ideas with the, what is out there as far as recreation, the newest recreation senior complexes, etc., and to you know bring those ideas back to clone but part of that is also was team building we had you know went out for dinner and you have a chance to to learn about people and that's it's no different than any organization any group you work with or if you was in a sport sports analogy you're building te- team together because you are uh, we don't agree on you know or nine different ideas opinions but we can come together in a consensus at some point to to move forward hopefully and that's what i I think that we were getting through the the dating stage and getting a little more serious, I guess. (laughs) Well, hopefully you can consummate soon. Um, One of the things that I was reading about in Simon Sinek's uh, book, Let Them Eat Cake, was he was talking about Republicans and Democrats and how this partisanship has really, really destroyed a lot of good things as far as passing laws and and really uh, paralyzed government. So he talked about... There was a, an occasion in Romania where a Republican Democrat had a chance to go shopping during the day, and as a result of that, just mini shopping trip, they they found common ground. They still disagreed on various party lines, but for the most part, they still they knew that the other person was a good human. They they followed party lines, but they also knew that there was another person over there, and he said it it brought them f- so much further forward is that kind of what you have to do is is take somebody aside and say hey let's go have coffee or let's go have lunch and and let's just chat and does that happen often enough between counselors or 
I think you know it's an excellent question and analogy, Rick. In in, in life, life is about relationships. I've learned from private sector, working in business, my own business, and and in the community. No matter with your children, your your spouse, your family, it's it's about relationships, and that is only through understanding, trying to build an understanding of other people where they're coming from. And I know that that's important and we're doing that in council your analogy as far as from a political perspective that was one of the things i didn't like about party politics and what i really enjoy about council is that we have nine different individuals we're not any part of a slate or a political organization you can speak from the heart when i was a member of parliament you're part of a party and they have policies and i don't agree with all the policies but you have to still support them and back them Except when we were out of the country, I was on the International Trade Committee for almost 10 years. So, for example, one time in, in just outside, we went to Bogota, Colombia, working on a free trade agreement, met, met with the president. And then we had an afternoon where a couple of uh, the members of parliament were able to go outside of Bogota to a shanty town. And the United Nations had a sponsorship through uh, two, 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 basically two buildings, uh, almost a... Uh, in a, what I look at was, it's almost like a living in, in a garbage dump. And the people had little homes built out of uh, pieces of corrugated steel and things like that. And they had two rooms that they could meet for school. So I went with Peter Julian, the NDP MP, and myself, and we handed out Canada pins to the kids and we talked. And, and that's when, when we were traveling internationally, I yeah, you put your partisanship aside and you're, you're Canadians and you know, the, it's like going on a destination. You can go to Vancouver, but there's more than one way you can get there. You can go down, you know, the, if you want to go over the Coca Hall or you want to go through, you know, Manning, through, through Manning Park and, and take a little longer scenic route. So you get to the same destination, and that's kind of what it is in politics. There's different ways of people have good intentions, and, and I believe their heart's in the right place. It's just a matter of what is the ultimate end goal and how do we get there. With with that past in in federal politics, does that you know? Because I'm I'm not going to suggest for a moment that, um, you know, there's there's different people. I'm not even call them captains on on council, but you know, there's a little bit more reverence perhaps uh, because you you spent that time in Ottawa. Does that happen or like that kind of perspective? Is that something that happens that people go? Well, wait a second. Let's give Ron a chance to speak on this. I think we all basically have a voice and we have experience that we bring and we have lived experience we all bring to the table. So maybe there might be a particular perspective when we're looking from a federal perspective. Yeah, they've asked for, for direction, but uh, I believe, you know, I don't look at any special, look for any specific um, direction in that way. What I can sometimes okay we've done that in the past like we're working on uh, transportation initiatives we we need to to be smarter and look at even regionally i'd like to take a more regional approach so i'm on the regional board and how we've done things in the past is there a way of of improving on that so you know the definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing expecting a different result and i think that's we're trying to look at the regional board is made up of 12 individuals and it's the three mayors from Kelowna, West Kelowna and, and, and Peachland, I should say, and Lake Country, four mayors and West Bank First Nation representatives, six uh, representatives of Kelowna, including our mayor, and then the two district uh, 
their electoral area district representatives. And it's really a, a diverse group. There hasn't been a lot of over, over, oversight, I think, for years because people have been busy in their own municipality. So we have a budget meeting that's coming up there and making s some discussions on how uh, we can hold each other more accountable. And after all, there is only one taxpayer, and they're getting squeezed, and I feel it. And, you know, I'm one of them myself. So. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, I want to talk about some sponsors. And, and I also want to mention something, too. It, it is so uh, refreshing to have, uh, I want to call it access, because I, I think it's important. We elect officials, and then they go away, and then they go behind walls sometimes. And I've always appreciated the fact that you've put yourself forward and uh, I, I've got some listener questions that I want to pose to you, and I, I just I just can't say enough how wonderful it is that you just said, Rick, tell me when, I'll be there, and I just so appreciate that. So, uh, you know what? Hands up for Ron Cannon. I just, I just think it's great. Uh, let's talk about our sponsors here. I want the news delivered to your inbox seven days a week before 7 a.m. Subscribe to CloneRNow.com by visiting the site and subscribing. That's all you have to do, just like before 7 a.m., what time did you get up today? Which time? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and Usually about, yeah, just before 6 or so, 6.30. You know, What's that old joke? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I go to the, you know, I, I urinate at about 7 a.m. Trouble is I get up at 8, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about D6 Print Studios. Uh, devastatingly good. That's what the D stands for, I'm sure. Uh, large format printers can print anything, wrap anything, do anything. Create fonts, colors, you know, magnetic signs. You like magnets? They got magnets. And we also have Pereira. They have uh, engagement jewelry. You know, that little, that ring that says forever. Um, it, it's just the most wonderful thing in the world, that sparkly thing. You can also, maybe there's a day coming up around the 14th of February. You need to start looking at that. So Pereira.com, sign up there. Uh, back in with more Ron Cannon. Okay, we're back with more Ron Cannon, top vote getter for city council. Okay, now we have a a large contingent of of people that actually love love listening to the podcast. I want to thank each Everybody and every one of them. Everybody loves Rico. Oh, Rick, listen, come on. listen. Okay, okay. So, um, what I want to do is these are uh, questions posed. I thought they were pretty good. There was probably more I could have put on the show, but listen, we only we only got the room till a certain time. So let's just. I save have not some. been. Provided these questions, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and again, remember that little thing I said off the top about how lucky we are to have this counselor in the booth here. There's no way to escape. I just came straight from the dentist and got my teeth cleaned for this specific uh, time with you, too. Okay, so uh, this is from all over the map, all over uh, our wonderful city. These are residents that uh, adore you and say, listen, let's just let's see what, what Ron says about this stuff. Here it is. Uh, first question. I understand that department budgets are based on prior years, but this factor creates massive spending in departments come year end. Would it not make more sense to reward departments for saving money and not spending their budget than to penalize them for clawing back their budget next year? Excellent question. As a member of the audit committee, just been appointed by the mayor, we want to look at doing a, an audit of for the city of various areas. And I know that this issue of um, perpetual 
budgeting ongoing, it, uh, especially in the senior levels of government. Near the end of March, there'd be a little bit of money left over, so they'd be phoning up their suppliers. It's, you know, we got some more money, and just call March Madness, right? And, <laughs> and yeah, there was no incentive to, you know, if it's your own personal reserve, you're supposed to treat the, the budget like it's your own personal finances. In most cases, that's being a little more frugal. And I think there is a way to look at, at compensating or providing some departmental, at least a managerial bonus of some mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. To, to override. And you, know, you have to look at, I know from the federal perspective, we had uh, each minister had to come up with a, a budget reduction of 5%. It didn't matter how it happened. Look at the efficiencies. You know, when Stephen Harper is the prime minister, he told the ministers, it's up to you. It's your your ministry. You, you run it however you think. But we have to be responsible and respectful of the fiscal challenges we're facing and come back with your plan. So that's kind of the same thing. You you let each person, the manager, to manage that budget. The, the challenge from a local perspective is you know, it just it builds on uh, the previous year's budget. And if you weren't around the table, like we inherited this budget, this new council was had had only had one basically dinner meeting to discuss the budget, and then we went into it in December regional district budget i just got the binder this week so we're trying to figure out okay we're inheriting all these ideas that somebody else brought to the table and and it takes time to to catch up and and respect the fact that yeah you've hired competent people we hope that are looking after each department but at the end of the day there needs to be oversight and i think that's been lacking in the past I'm, i'm so glad you're in that chair mister um this is another in secondary to the first question. Uh, would it not save taxpayers money if departments didn't spend? Uh, oh, sorry. Is it not a fact that managers' rates are based on the size of their departments? So again, does this not create waste by adding employees to their department when a review might reveal that tasks could be shared by employees already in the department? Well, it's interesting because the last budget we just hired 27 new staff, and every staff member that's hired is basically a 50-year commitment. So I look at when we can to contract and try to figure out, I mean, we, our city's responsibility, obviously, of hiring RCMP and, and bylaw and looking after fire protection, safety, that's a big thing. But administrative-wise, we have to, I think, do a better job of looking how we can be more efficient with administrative and not just hiring more people. There's, there's ways of... I'm working with in a partnership. You can contract certain positions out. I'd, I'd like to look at that, but overall, efficiencies and 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 each budget is is, is I guess uh, as the service demand from from the city. What does the city the citizens want? Mm-hmm. So you know we had a unusually amount of snow in December, so we had to increase our our snow budget. Mm-hmm. significantly from previous years to and we have reserves to help balance that so to just try to smooth it out but i think overall looking at at budgets and and hiring people uh, you have to have good people and i look at each department uh, i have some concerns in some departments yeah i mean i don't know i can't say for what their salaries are based on a lot of a lot of the salaries not necessarily how many people but it's the position that they're in as well there's you know if you're a 
department head of, of uh, in engineering or transportation, there's a consulting group that most municipalities use for comparison. So they compare for similar size city, whether it's Abbotsford or, you know, lower mainland or even, even uh, Prince George, try to get a comparison of how much they'd be paying for their director of engineering, for example, in that community. And not necessarily on the number of employees, but similar size city. And then you look at the private sector as well and do a comparable. But there is some rumors, I guess, or misconceptions that people, yeah, the more people they have reporting, the more money they should get. It's not always because you can have one or two very talented people that are very efficient. So they, they should be rewarded just as well if they're running the department. And it, there's some departments that I know as we sit here that used to be done with maybe one or half a person, but now have three or four people. So that's a, another podcast for itself. <laughs> so is your nickname going to be a buzzsaw or anything? Yeah, or? So, well, there's a, there's a consultant by the name of George Cuff. Uh, he was he's from Alberta. He, he spoke to our new mayor and council and does the workshops for, he's famous across Canada for his, his uh, expertise in municipal affairs, but he, some communities used to bring him people, bring him in to to fire people and said you got cuffed didn't you <laughs> so yeah, i don't know if you'd be canon i wouldn't be canonized i don't think so well it's you know we can start something it can start right here um the province is in a medical crisis uh we'd like to know why the city is allowing more high density developments which will add more people to our city when we still have only one overburdened hospital Wow, somebody's been reading my notes. <laughs> Just at the last regional board meeting with the health authority, I'm also part of the regional health board, and they gave us a presentation. That would be interior health uh, officials. The bureaucrats gave us a presentation. There's about six of them. It was their strategic plan. So when you strategic capital plan, you'd think that there would be something in there for building looking at uh, we're running at a capacity of 117 121 30 percent i have my wife and daughter both work in the healthcare field so i i know people regularly inform me of the capacity of, or over capacity i spent lots of time in the hallways with my 88 year old father-in-law and mother-in-law uh, in the hallways at the hospital because there's no beds and it's just over capacity so one of the issues is this is timing. Local government deals with land use, so we can approve or, or not approve buildings. The provincial government needs to carry their weight to look after the infrastructure that they're under the Constitution and the Charter we're working on is provincial government looks after education and health care. So we, as a local government, we don't have any control. We'd love, we need a new school. Rutland's been, middle mm -hmm. school there has been destitute. Glenmore should have been, well, three of my daughters are going through, and that should have been replaced a long time ago. And other schools, we need another high school, for example. So that is an issue that the provincial government is responsible for, for capital. Same thing with hospital health care. So I, I take that uh, seriously, and as we decide, we can't say no. I don't believe to stop growth. We've got to manage growth efficiently, but we also need to put pressure on the provincial and federal governments to ensure that we get the, the infrastructure that we need and have the proper services and facilities that a, that are a growing community is required in order to uh, 
maintain, not even grow just the, the, the pace we are today. I mean, we're a regional hospital hub. You know, for example, the, the hospital board said, well, we're going to build a new parking lot. It was about 100 stalls. That's great. So your next surgery is going to be on stall number four. <laughs> and they talked about some equipment and things like that. And then they, they didn't know what to say. And one, well, we'll have more information for you at the next meeting. <laughs> So stay you, tuned. You rabble rouser, you. That's why sometimes I think, I don't know if they're going to be happy that I'm back here. But I'm back. Uh, downtown really has only one large grocery store. The population is growing far faster than the services can provide for. How can we add incentives so services are localized so we can get more cars off the road? Yeah, that's building complete communities, I believe. Um, I mean, there's a an issue with... Someone talking about the 15-minute cities, which are concerned from a, the globalist perspective of controlling. But I believe when I say complete communities, I mean having services within, you know, walking distance or drive. Even the South Mission folks out in Kettle Valley, they have to drive in to basically Central Mission, I guess, you know, Pandozi for Savon is the major store there in mm-hmm. the South Mission. So there's... Hopefully, going to be one announced this year on Frost and Gordon Shopping Center out there. I know the speaking with the, the property owners, they were very close to signing a deal with a major grocery store there, and other parts of the city too. So it's not only a grocery store, but I believe in recreation complexes as well. You need rather than people driving all over the place, and always kind of a it amuses me when people drive to the gym. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's it, it's interesting though because from just a a business standpoint, you know, you let's say it's a hardware store. Like there was always rumors about there'd be a hardware store around Sunshine Market. And I, I remember thinking, well, how can that actually even be economically feasible or viable for the business owner? Because you need to stock enough supply so I can trust the fact that there's going to be galvanized pipe or whatever down at the hardware store and not just like, uh, oh, we don't have that. Like you need to trust in a almost a big box store concept, which is going to be way too expensive to actually, you know, engineer that sort of thing. So it's it's I understand it's a catch twenty two because you have to, to be big enough that people trust that they're going to have the product, but also viable for the business owner. It does come down to economics, and it also you know people are supporting local, and you're right with. But the big box, whether it's Costco or the new Canadian Tire, that's going to—I was on council when they last the existing or present Canadian Tire. I think it was about eighty thousand square feet, and they're going to double or more to the new location. So that, yeah, it's a competitive nature. So it's the same thing in a grocery store. So downtown has the Safeway, and where does another store come? We had Nestor's not too far away, and they weren't able to. But Peter's Independent Grocery at, at uh, Capri Mall does great, great business it's a little far for some people to walk from downtown but it's uh closer than you know the mall for example and i think they they provide a good good selection so it, it is economics and land mass as well it's the same thing for schools we don't have a lot of facility room for schools downtown either that's you know a limiting factor for families in in a downtown area whether it's a town home or mm-hmm. multifamily. So we have, those are all part of the smart planning, as, a, as they say, in a, in a community plan, official community plan, which is your guiding document, which I inherited as a new counselor. But, uh, that's uh, another yeah. discussion as well. <laughs> uh, 
Will this council have a different view towards development than years past? Will there be a reversal on new family subdivisions in order to decrease lot prices? That sort of just checks off the question I just talked about the official community plan because there is some, I agree with some of the official community plan. However, my thought is more regional. I guess that's from my experience now looking at, we can't just do this individually and silo thinking from Kelowna, West Kelowna, Peachland, Lake Country. For example, in, in Lake Country, there's a large subdivision that'll be proposed off McCubrey Road. It's two to 3,000 homes potentially, and they'll be coming down, most of them will come down Glenmore Road, using the, which is a two-lane road. And who pays for that road? It's basically Kelowna residents. So mm-hmm. you have another municipality coming to use the roads and services in Kelowna with paying zero taxes. So if on a regional growth plan, single family needs to be included within our local government as well and look at in conversation with with our regional partners, have a stronger regional plan. So I think we should look at you know, single family within our own communities within Kelowna, but also on a larger, more regional approach to smarter planning because that not only roads, but another area that really has um, bothered me over the years is, is recreation facilities. Because once again, West Kelowna and Lake Country, they're some of the fastest growing communities, but they don't have the, the dollars to build recreation facilities. But they can come and use the facilities in Kelowna where Kelowna taxpayers pay for the H2O Center, for example. Just saying, we love our neighbors. <laughs> However, we also believe in equity, and, and that's what I'm pushing for is, you know, whether it's a... I think that'll will be a conversation. I know that uh, Mayor Tom Dias, we've chatted about, and he's and Mayor Milsom is they're great to work. Mayor Milsom, Mayor Ireland, and even um, our friends on Peachland of of you know they're bursting at the seams as well and trying to they want to be at the table, but they don't have a large tax base as well. So mm-hmm. we want to be good neighbors and get along, but we also need to be responsible and respect and 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 share nicely. Play a nicely sm- in the sandbox together. A small toll coming into Kelowna. That's all we're thinking of. That's, or, that's or small. Tiny. Like, tiny. <laughs> Every car. That's all. Um, last question. Will the new laws regarding uh, decriminalization sit down by the province, will this be a positive step in your eyes or a reversal? It's interesting. I was at the Crime Stopper luncheon, and it's the 36th year for Crime Stoppers, which does great work. We appreciate all the volunteers in their community. And in working with RCMP and social service agencies, this most recent announcement by the province of decriminalization of 2.5 grams really is, in my mind, more political optics than it's going to make a big difference. They're saying, well, they're trying to remove the stigmatization of using drugs. People that have been on the streets for years have not been charged for possession I, I have a daughter and son of the RCMP officers and you talk to the police in probably the last decade because the crown doesn't get a prosecution in the court so it's wasting they're not even gonna waste their time in the paperwork so I think the bigger issue is it is part of this part of the solution but and they compare it to the Portugal model the Portugal model is the continuum of care so we can have safe supply and provide them with a little bit of personal use but what happens what's the next step if somebody wants treatment oh sorry you got to come back tomorrow we don't have any treatment you know it's like we're having everybody safely stoned 
Yeah. And it's it's sad because I I mean I lost a brother in August of 2021. He uh, was on uh, cocaine and carfentanil. I was, got the autopsy and read through that, and I don't understand the, you know the carfentanil people putting that. It's such a toxin, and that's where we need to concentrate is on the supply side. And personally, really come down heavy on the supply side. And then the other component is treatment. We're really lacking a treatment facility. So I'm working with my council colleagues and hoping municipalities in, in the interior and then the province to look at a second-stage uh, sober supportive housing facility. For example, if somebody goes through treatment and there isn't a second stage for them to go right now. And some of the other health authorities in the lower mainland, they have a, a project they're working with BC Housing. We need to do that as well. So then somebody can go 30, 60 you know, days, 90 days to for treatment, and then they come, come out of clean rather than dropping them off back downtown and start over again and mm-hmm. you know, put them in that garden of temptation is, is put them back into a next phase where they – as I said, it's a continuum of care to help them because some cases it's, you know, have a relapse and it takes a year or two or more for people to, to recover or a lifetime for that matter, to, you know, get on methadone and other successful uh, uh, treatment programs. And each one is tailor-made. There's, there's no silver bullet as per se. So yeah, sure. I can to answer your question. It's, I don't think what we're doing proposing right now is going to be a solution unless you have the treatment that goes with it. And that's another big component that I'm passionate about, mental health and working on. We deinstitutionalized Riverview in, in basically the 80s. The government of the day decided to, at the time, there was over 4,700 people at the hospital. They shut it down. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. And then our provincial government in 2019 came up with a 10-year roadmap, roadmap to recovery, which is, I applaud them for, you know, making some initiatives. But they only have like 500 housing facilities for complex care. I mean, you know, we've got eight beds here in Kelowna, maybe another 12. I mean, but, you know, it's 500 for the province. And if there was 4,700 years ago, 47 minus 500... That's a big. It's a big gap. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we need as a society. I think it was admit that it was a. I think a failed societal experiment of trying to integrate them into those persons with mental illness and in, back into society without the supports. And in some cases, people need twenty four seven care. I'll call it a campus of care, and they could be there for months or years. They could be there for for their lifetime. If that's we need to be more. I think. A, aggressive as a, as a, a government to to move in that direction and and help people because there's a lot of a lot of hurting people and they don't necessarily always understand how how broken they are but i've i've gone down to tent city down behind sunright more than once and talked to people and one guy's 68 years old and two bottles of coke there at 10 o'clock in the morning and so that's just not Coke. That's Coke and JD, my Jack Daniels, and tell me a story. And everybody's got a story, and mm-hmm. we have to listen to their story and help them out. And that's my where my heart is, and for our community, and for our province, and our country. Uh, sorry to hear about your brother. I didn't know that. that yeah, thanks. Was... Yeah, I just appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I got a phone call and just uh, a Friday afternoon, and uh, it was a it was a block call. And when my daughter calls, it's a block call, and it's RCMP. She's a Member, as I mentioned, and it was the police, but it was the Edmonton City Police, and letting me know that uh, he hadn't gone to work for a couple of days. So his boss had 
got a hold of the landlord and uh, just uh, they got into his home and he was there beside his chair and permanently asleep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like uh, and and there's people that in our community have lost. One mother lost two children with overdose. So I can't imagine one, but all these people have um, desire to see some change. And what we're doing, I believe what we've been doing is not working and we need to change. As I said earlier, doing the same thing, expect a different result is insanity. And when I was a member of parliament in 2010, we spent millions of dollars provincially and federally trying to clean up Hastings for the expo, right? Clean up throw them in behind the closed doors. Well, that was a bandage. We had the safe injection site was going to be the, mm. well, that yeah. was, that you know, and we're trying different things, but they're not, we have to keep trying something new because as our, I know one of your guests, Ron Matusi, is a former city planner. I was talking to him. It's kind of like when we got a hole in the roof and it's, it's leaking. So what do we do? We'll go get it some more pails. <laughs> You know, instead of yeah. fixing the roof, we're, we, we're, we're building a better bandage. And as one person said, we're loving people to death and we need to come up with a bit of different strategy. And I'm willing to work with people in our community, our province to try to do that. So, Got to say, man, it's a lot of work ahead. And uh, I'm so glad you're in that chair. And, and I'm, you know, I, I really do appreciate you uh, answering the uh, these these very pointed questions. And, and man, it's it's so nice to have you in that uh that position and hopefully you can move us forward well thanks to your listeners keep those questions coming and we're happy to talk offline as well if anytime you want to get a hold of me at city hall my my council colleagues and myself we're here we want to work together to you know make our community a safer better place we were the number one crime stat in the country and i think we're looking at ways to make our community safer for all and that's it's it takes everybody including you know the business sector and the private sector, the the faith community, everybody to come together because ultimately it's we are what we what we want it to be. And as I said earlier, the decisions are made by those who who show up. So please show up and let's make a difference. Awesome, uh, appreciate you coming in, my friend, and and we'll talk soon. All right, stay safe. Blessings.